today. I want to invite you to go ahead and take your Bibles or your devices, whatever you are using this morning. I want to give you three texts. I'm going to give you all three texts that I'm going to be looking at this morning, just so you'll kind of know where we're headed. The first one is Psalm 119 and verse 11. The second one is Psalm 56 and verse 3. And then Psalm 122 and verse 1. In 1964, I was given this Bible on the occasion of my fourth birthday. Miss Polly Eves, who was my Sunday school teacher, presented it to me on that day and I was in the beginner Sunday school class at 12th Street Baptist Church. This was the first Bible I ever owned. The first Bible that uh, was ever truly mine. And Miss Eves gave that Bible to me and gave this Bible to me. And as you can see, I used it. I carried it with me proudly every Sunday to church. It's worn and tattered, and, uh, but yet it is still precious to me. And when Ms. Eves gave me this Bible, one of the things that she challenged me with was to, as a four-year-old, to remember God's Word. To remember God's Word. And the reason I remember it so vividly is because I actually took her challenge to heart. As I matriculated through the beginner Sunday school class and then to the primary Sunday school class. It was our regular practice each week to have a verse of scripture to memorize. Our reward for memorizing the scripture was a gold star by a homemade poster that hung in our classrooms. And I had an affinity for gold stars, especially if they were going to be put by my name. I didn't want to be embarrassed, you know, to not have memorized the text and, and get my gold star. And so every week we would say our Bible verse and the gold star would be put on the poster by our name. The reason I tell you that story is because one year before I started kindergarten, eight years before I understood my sinful condition and surrendered my life to Christ. Twelve years before I accepted the call to preach, I followed through on the challenge to commit Scripture to memory from my Sunday school teacher. Now the Scripture memory journey started out with simple verses like God is love and gradually grew harder and, and more challenging. However, the verses that have meant the most to me in my life's journey are verses that I learned as a child. And these verses have meant as much to me as they ever have over these last eight weeks of the challenges that we have been facing. Here I stand before you this morning, 55 years advanced since my fourth birthday. 
And the verses that have brought me comfort and the verses that have brought me peace and and calmness over my spirit during these days have been the verses that I learned as a child. The scriptures that I learned as a child are still prevailing over my life today. And what I want to share with you this morning is that whether you are four years old or 59 years old, like I am, the scripture that you put in your heart, the scripture that you commit to your memory never stops prevailing. It never stops ministering to you. There may be times when it lays dormant. There may be times when you don't quickly recall it to memory, but sooner or later there will be circumstances that scriptures that we tuck away in our hearts and lives come back to bear upon our situations. These three verses that I want to share with you this morning are three of those verses that I learned as a child. So the first one that I want to draw your attention to is Psalm 119 and verse 11. The New American Standard renders this verse, Your word have I treasured in my heart that I may not sin against God. When I learned it, I learned it in the King James. My little New Testament is a King James Version. Thy word have I hid in my heart, mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. What does that mean? How can we take that verse and apply it to our heart? I love what Charles Spurgeon says in his wonderful commentary on the Psalms. He says, there laid up in the heart, the word has effect. When young men only read the letter of the book, the word of promise and instruction is deprived much of its power. Neither will the laying up it up in the mere memory avail. The word must be known and prized and laid up in the heart. The whole mind requires to be impregnated with the word of God. Spurgeon challenges us not to just leave the word on the pages of the scripture, not to just tuck it away in our head, but his challenge is, is that we take that word all the way to our heart. That's what we do when we commit scripture to memory. When God begins to use it in our lives, it becomes impregnated. Now, admittedly, impregnated is not a word that I regularly use in the course of normal, everyday conversations. But as I read what, what the Spurgeon says, it quickly became a word I really like. The word impregnated carries with it the idea of permanence carries with it the idea that that word, if it impregnates my heart, that it is there to stay. The word so permeates my heart that I won't lose it. That it will have, I imagine this word that I have hidden as, as something that at the appropriate time will burst forth from my mind. It will burst forth from my heart onto the scene of my circumstance and God will use it to squash Whatever sin is besetting me. 
That word that I have hidden in my heart will help me win the victory over whatever battle I'm engaged in and I will be restored to a right frame of mind in my relationship with God. In complete transparency with you this morning, I confess to you that I've sinned over these last eight weeks. There's been a couple of sins that in particular, have been nagging at me since all of this began. The first one is worry. Have any of you struggled with worry during this time? During the last couple of, of months? Have you been fighting this, this battle? Have you, have, you, have you worried about how long will this last? Have you worried about what will the future be like? Have you, have you worried or been concerned about how much change we are actually going to have to make? I've worried as I've received prayer requests from, from others. I've received prayer requests for family members and businesses and employees and jobs and parents. I've, I've worried for our pastors and our churches as they try to figure out what they need to do to keep their flocks together in this time of separations separation and these these worries have awakened me in the middle of the night I'm just being honest with you they kept me awake at night they disrupted my sleep as I worried about these things and and then God resurrects in my heart Psalm 119 verse 11 was reminded that I have a word stored away that is there to help keep me from sinning. There's a word that I have nestled in my heart that has impregnated my heart that is there for the purpose to help keep me from sinning against God. And yes, that includes the sin of worry. A word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And as the years go by, the more words are added, and I was, my heart was quickened to, to the book of Philippians, where, where Paul plainly writes in no uncertain terms, do not worry about anything. But in everything by prayer and, and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. See that hidden word that impregnates our heart. God has a way of taking that, that stored away word and when the time is right and when we need it the most, it burst forth from our hearts it is brought clearly to our mind and God speaks clearly to us what when God brought these verses to the surface of my heart words that I had put there a long time ago the prevailing peace of God came over me because of the prevailing power of the word of God in my heart Listen to me, folks. The Word of God is your greatest weapon for these days. What can keep us from collapsing under the pressure of these days? God's Word. 
What can enable us to live holy lives in the midst of the most challenging times of our lives? It is the Word of God. Only the Word of God, the Bible, will help us through this time which God has encouraged us to hide away in our hearts. Have you had any words that God has used in your life during this time that perhaps impregnated your heart years ago. And maybe you haven't thought about them in a while, but in these circumstances, in these days when we struggle, that God has brought those words back to the surface. God has burst those words on our heart. And you know what? God's word is true. His word does keep us from sinning because my proclivity to sin in the area of worry diminished when God's word came to bear on my heart. And I want you to know today, folks, that it will do the same for you. There's a second verse, Psalm 56 and verse 3. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. Here's confession number two. The, the other sin that has dealt me misery over these last eight weeks has been the sin of fear. Have you been afraid in these days? Have you faced the challenge of, of fear, fear of the unknown, fear of the what-ifs? Are, are you fighting this battle in your life like I've been fighting it? in my life I think there's a pretty good chance that you have what if this happens I don't know what, what will happen in the days to come when David when this psalm was written David had left the company of 400 valiant men that had been his protection had been his shield against against Saul and the enemies that, that sought after him. But when David left the company of this army, he returned to the city of Gath, which happened to be the former home of Goliath. Now, why in the world would David go back to Gath, a place that he fought a, a most monumental battle? And we're really not sure what possessed David to return to this place. But what we do know is when we read the 56th Psalm, we discover that David was alone, David was desperate, and David was afraid. Perhaps he was afraid of the unknown. How will I be, how will I be treated in Gath? What if they find out that I'm here? How, uh, what, will happen, what will happen to me? In the context of people pursuing him and, the, and his unpopularity among those citizens, David had every right to feel alone and to feel desperate and to feel fearful. And in the midst of that, in the midst of those emotions, David made this statement. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. David resolves to make God his confidence, not himself, not his emotions, not what he's experiencing at the moment, but David resolved to make God his confidence that when the dangers are the most threatening 
And when everything else that I've tried to put confidence in has failed me, I am going to trust in God. When I first learned this verse, the application for my young life was to protect me from the monsters that might be hiding under my bed. When I'm afraid, I will trust in thee. But in the last few weeks, as this verse that impregnated my heart so many years ago burst forth on the scene of my fear, it has reminded me that God is the one who's in control and I am not. It's caused me to question within me, If this is true, if this word is true, then what do I have to be afraid of? I'm a child of God. The Lord Jesus Christ is my Savior. I have His protection upon me. What do I have to be afraid of? And David, beautifully, as he progresses in this journey of fear, says in in the next verse of Psalm 56, he says, In God I will praise His word. In God I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do to me. David resolved, he said, You know what, God? I'm going to glory in you. I'm going to glory for you and I. We are going to glory in his word and I'm going to give God the glory no matter what. Have you tried other things that during this time to put your confidence in? Have you tried to find solace in other places beside God and you have you discovered that that in your time of fear that none of those work, none of those bring the comfort. It's what it's what only God's word can do. When What time I am afraid, the the supposition is, is that there are going to be times when we are afraid. And let's just be honest, folks, this is one of them. We find ourselves feeling perhaps like David, alone. God, how am I going to make it through this time? We we feel desperate. God, I don't know what tomorrow holds. Will I have a job? But will I be able to survive this financially? Will I be able to provide for my family? Will I be able to do all these things? Will I be able to will things return to normal? Will we be able to do the things that we've always done? We find ourselves sometimes feeling alone and desperate and fearful. And David's word comes bursting forth from that has been impregnated in my heart for years. And it says, what time I am afraid, I will trust in you. I will trust in thee. I want to challenge you. To do that this morning. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against God. God, give me victory over these sins of worry. God, what time I am afraid, I will trust in you. You are my rock. You are the one that I can count on. I can't count on anything else but you. And I trust you and I trust your word. But there's a third verse. And that is Psalm 122 and verse 1. The psalmist says, I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go to the house of the Lord. 
I was glad when they said unto me, let us go unto the house of the Lord. Psalm 122 is a part of a group of psalms that are known as the songs of ascent. If you read these psalms, you'll see the progression. In Psalm 120, the pilgrims are in a foreign land and they're beginning to turn their faces toward the city of God. They're they're exiled. They're separated from home. They're separated from a place that they love. And but they're beginning to turn their eyes. There's light at the end of the tunnel. There, there's hope that we're going to be able to return to that place we love so much. Psalm 121 indicates that they've sighted the city. We can see it. There it is. There's our home sitting on the hill over there. I will look into the hills. The scripture says in Psalm 21, from whence cometh my help. That's where I long to be. That's where I want to be today. I'm going to look to that place because it's the place from whence cometh my help. The Lord does not sleep or slumber. The psalmist says in Psalm 121, he does not sleep or slumber. He will watch my foot and he will keep it from from slipping. And then we come to Psalm 122 and and they find themselves on the threshold of the city. They were asked to join the the other pilgrims and thrill that their their feet are actually inside the gates of Jerusalem. Now many of us love our love our towns and cities maybe from which we were born we there's something special about that I know Tammy and I were so happy 12 years ago when the Lord called us back to to my home church and to our hometown and because we love Gadsden we we love Etowah County and for the Jews that's how they felt about Jerusalem they were they were coming home They had been separated for a season. They are now, they're they're on the threshold. They're they're coming home. For the last eight weeks, we have been exiled from our home, from our churches. And just as time away from our hometowns may cause us to grow in our affection for where we were raised, time away from our church houses and our faith families have heightened our awareness of how much our churches mean to us and how precious the time that we have to gather together means for us. We're longing, we're yearning for the day when we hear, let us go into the house of the Lord. I grew up in a day and time when where the decision to go to church was firmly made on Saturday night. Dean and Sarah, the pastor of City Church in Tallahassee, has, has made this a, a regular part of his Saturday evening tweeting, at least he did for a while, that going to church is a Saturday night decision. Well, that's the way I grew up. My dad would spread out the Saturday newspaper on our den floor. He would get his shine kit out and he would polish our Sunday, our Sunday shoes. My mom 
would lay out my clothes for Sunday morning and on Saturday night, so there was no question as to what I would wear. And I have to admit, when Matt asked me to preach today, I was excited to pick out my suit and tie. I hadn't done that in a while. I was excited to do that. Our offering envelopes were prepared on Saturday night and neatly tucked away in our, in our Bibles and placed by the door so that when we, when we walked out of our house and we walked to church from my house, everything was ready. All the decisions had, had been made so that we were ready to go into the house of the Lord when Sunday morning arrived. To those of you who are listening today, who are separated and in exile from your faith family, the time will come when you hear, let us go into the house of the Lord. You will hear that again. I have witnessed over these last eight weeks Pastors and staff and deacons make Herculean efforts to make sure the gospel continues to go forth from pulpits, that Christ continues to be exalted in worship, and that you remain as connected to your faith family as you possibly can during these days. And I hope that during this time of exile, during this time of being away, that you appreciate and are grateful for the hard work and the efforts that your pastors and your staff and you rest assured I promise you your pastor whoever he may be will call you back to the Lord's house when it is safe and when the time is right I promise you that nobody longs to gather with you more than your pastor and it will come it will come, that call to return to church. And we long for that day as soon as possible. But for those of you who during this season have realized that you are separated from Christ, you've joined, you've joined online or you've watched pre-recordings of messages, but you realize in your heart that you are that you are separated from Christ. You do not have a, a real faith family. Then I have a word for you. You have realized how unreliable the things of this, of this world are. In your fear, you've grasped for the things of the world, but they, they have left your hands empty. You're longing for something that you can count on, something that will truly help you. And I want you to know that the answer to that is Jesus Christ. And the answer to help you through that time as you realize your need for Jesus Christ is a faith family. It is a local church. You need someone you can count on and in whom you can trust. And his name is Jesus. His word is truth. Confess that you are a sinner and you need a savior and be saved. Hide his word in your heart. When you are afraid, put your trust in him. And when the churches open back up, you make a commitment to become a part of a local church. And you come into that family and you let them love you and disciple you and show you and help you to know what it truly means to be a follower 
of Jesus Christ. Again, I refer to Charles Spurgeon, who said this. He said, Oh, tried brother. And I would say to that, Oh, tried brother, sister, teenager, child, worker, business owner. Oh, tried brother, the Lord will be faithful to you as he has been to me. The Lord will be faithful to you as he has been to me. Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee. What time I am afraid, I will trust in you. And I will be so glad when they say unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. The prevailing power of the word of God. Let's pray. Father, your word is powerful. It is timely and it is trustworthy. Father, I do sincerely pray that in this season of separation that we have grown in our appreciation for opportunities to gather and worship God together. I do sincerely pray, Lord, that when the time comes that we will come back together and greater force than ever before. Father, I pray that you have opened our eyes to the lost condition of this culture in which we live, Father. How many people need Jesus Christ? How many people need to hear the gospel right here in our own community, Father, that, that, are, that are struggling, that are desperate during this time? They need Jesus. Father, help us to be faithful. Help us, help us, Father, to rely upon you and trust in you and let your word burst forth from our hearts and lives to prevail over whatever may be besetting us today. Lord, use this word for your glory and for your honor is our prayer. In Jesus' name.